a lot of people at that point like to either shake them or get their hand in there and squeeze them just to kind of disorient them a little bit. And then they throw those things and it looks like what you'd expect. It just rains down those sardines. It's raining bait on episode 48, brought to you by reelsandtackle.com. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. Okay, welcome to the show. Today's guest is Joe Rozier, and he is coming to us from the Tampa, Florida area. Joe, how are you doing? Hey, John. I'm doing really, really good. Well, it's uh, great to have you on, and uh, we were talking a little bit before. I always love having uh, you guys and gals from uh, the Tampa area on the show because it's uh, such a wonderful place to fish and uh, always enjoy uh, whenever I can get over there, which is not as much as I'd like, but uh, getting over there to fish because it's uh, such an awesome place and looking forward to getting your take on that today. Um, Before we jump into the fishing, though, why don't we have you tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you do between fishing trips? Absolutely. Well, uh, very similar to you, John. I'm an attorney. Mm-hmm. I do some uh, in-house counsel work for a company based out of Texas, actually. And then I was for a little while there doing some side criminal defense work. Um, started as a prosecutor. But anyway, yeah. that's all the kind of boring stuff. <laughs> and, uh, I think, you know, kind of similar to uh, a lot of attorneys that have the passion for fishing. You start thinking, you know, what what can I do to stay more involved? You know, you start looking and going, man, I only make it on the water, you know, what, once a month if I'm lucky? Right, like, right. What, what can I do to get out there more? And especially now I have a two-year-old son who I'm trying to get more involved mm-hmm. uh, in the sport. And he loves it. He's already been bit by the bug. Oh, yeah. I've seen a couple Love. of uh, pictures you've got on Instagram there with him holding up some fish. That's just awesome. Oh, that's his favorite part. <laughs> holding them. Loves getting his hands on them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I started going, you know, what can I do? And I've always had this idea for a um, an invention for fishing, a fishing product. Mm-hmm. And uh, pretty recently, I started putting those wheels into motion. And on top of just, you know, wanting to produce and create what was in my head, a big driver as well was, this is going to give me a reason to get out there and, you know, prototype my invention to get out there and test it you know go out for some photo shoots basically an excuse to get out on the water more you're you're obligated right you have to at that point it's work at this point oh yeah absolutely my wife can't get mad at me you know (laughs) i mean this is is work at least in theory in theory that's how it's supposed to work i'm 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 trying that angle here too with my uh podcast and uh (laughs) so (laughs) it's not always like that but uh for the most part yeah I'm with you. Absolutely, yeah. And right now it is a theory because we're still producing it. Okay. But um, what it is, though, is it's uh, for any of the inshore fishermen out there, um, usually saltwater, though there could be some applicability freshwater. I'm not mm-hmm. positive. My background is certainly in the inshore saltwater space. Right. And um, anybody who does that kind of fishing knows that if you're snook fishing or trout, redfish, even some tarpon fishing, whatever it may be, if you're live bait chumming, what are you using? You're always, you know, going to be using a sawed-off wiffle ball bat. Mm-hmm. That's been the 
go-to tool now for decades. I remember when people first started doing it when I was in high school. Right. And so um, for years, I sat there going, there's got to be a better way to do this. Right. Instead of having to get your dip net out, dip your bait, load your chum gun, and then chum them, there's just got to be an easier way. Why do I need two tools when I can have one tool to do it? Mm-hmm. And so that's where I started coming up with the chum dog. Chum and dog, dog, I like that. acronym, D-A-W-G, for a dispensing and wrangling gear. And oh, there so you go. Instead okay. of needing your dip net, now you can just scoop straight out of the well and chum straight with the dog. Hey, I like that. So for those who uh, haven't done that type of fishing, um, where you're where you're chumming with those little white baits, those live baits like that, d- describe how you do it, you know, so people can kind of get a visual sense for, you know, what you're doing and, and where you're fishing and where you're throwing that. Absolutely. Um, so what you're doing when you're snook fishing, you know, you generally know, let's say you're on a mangrove shoreline. You know those fish are around there somewhere, but you don't know exactly where. Mm-hmm. And you want to get them fired up. You're going to take about, I mean, everybody's a little different, anywhere from 10 to 30 different, uh, you know, white baits and um, load them into what was traditionally the sawed-off wiffle ball bat. Right. And a lot of people at that point like to either shake them or get their hand in there and squeeze them just mm-hmm. to kind of disorient them a little bit. Right. And then they you know, they throw those things, and it looks like what you'd expect. It just rains down those sardines. Right. And so in your boat is you, you're anchored a kayak or boat or whatever it is. You're you're, you know, spaced out away from those mangroves a little bit. So you don't spook the fish, obviously. So you've got to chuck those things a pretty good distance to get them in the mangroves. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's where, you know, the offshore guys are going straight down. But on the inshore game. Yeah, we're casting, you know, the distance up to whether it's a dock or a mangrove or whatever it may be. Right. And uh Anybody who's ever tried to actually hold a white bait and throw it like a baseball knows that you're just not going to get the distance you need. And Mm -hmm. that's where people started finding the other ways. And it's settled on for, like I said, decades now of people using a sawed off wiffle ball bat. Yeah. And I just thought all I thought, you know, I looked at all the gear for fishing, how just intricate it is now and Mm -hmm. thought it's it's disrespectful. (laughs) So disrespectful that we're using a wiffle ball bat when, I mean, look at the rod and reels and the technology now, even with cast nets. I mean, what Barracuda is doing with the weighted horn mm-hmm. and just uh, just so much progression in the fishing space. And, you know, we were still stuck on the wiffle ball bat. So I just figured it was time. Something had to be done about that. So uh, started producing the chum dog, which, you know, I haven't even been putting out there excessively yet it's still in the production phase Mm -hmm. but certainly on my instagram page you can uh see it sneaking its way into plenty of pictures because it stays on my boat and i have it with a couple of friends and captains in the area so yeah very cool well you certainly got around a little yeah i was gonna say well you certainly got the uh place to test that out over there that's the uh the perfect uh product laboratory uh, for 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 that one because you've got lots of mangrove shorelines there in the bay and uh and lots of that white bait and the fish love it oh it's the bait of preference yeah sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, as a matter of fact, just a couple of episodes ago, uh, we had Mark Dunham on from from your area, and he was uh, telling us the same thing. You know, that's that's the primary style of fishing he does over there for reds and snook. Um, and yeah, exactly. You, you, there are days when if you don't have that white bait, you just you're not going to get it done because that's what those fish want. Oh, it's the go-to, hands down. I mean, even when you see. Um, the logo to my company, it's a, it's a school of white bait because that is the absolute, I mean, that's the, that's the gold standard here. Uh, the snook, redfish, I mean, even the tarpon, you know, they'll, they'll eat the thread fins, uh, menhaden, and all that. But, uh, I mean, I don't think there's a fish in this bay that could turn down a, you know, good four or five inch white bait. Right, no doubt. So obviously, you you love the snook fishing and the in the shallow water, uh, you know, reds and and inshore stuff. But do you also have occasion to get out in the bay and go for some of the bigger stuff, like the tarpon you were talking about? And I know you've got you know Goliath and other grouper out around the bridge. Do you do much of that kind of fishing? Tarpon, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'd say snook and tarpon are like neck and neck for you know just my number one love. Uh, actually. The Goliath, I've never really done that. I've caught plenty of juveniles just fishing, but I've never targeted those, you know, four or 500-pound-plus <laughs> fish that sit under the bridges, although I would love to. I just, I don't know, I guess I've just never actually done it, so I would probably need somebody to give me a little guidance there, but, I mean, I'm more than open to it. But, yeah, that tarpon fishing, I mean, I actually grew up down in uh, Boca Grande going down oh, there. Oh, yeah. Grandparents did. Yep. That's where they lived um, when I was growing up. And so I grew up fishing on my grandfather's 17-foot Mako in the past for tarpon. Oh, man. And sure enough, I mean, even with all those big old, you know, inboard Boca Grand boats and all that, we'd be out there in our little 17-foot Mako, but, man, we, we'd catch them. That's, that's like a hand-to-hand combat there, you know, a little boat and big giant fish right up next to you. And, wow, that's... Uh, I, I bet that was a lot of fun. Oh, we had a blast. But yeah, yeah. for the tarpon. Uh, but yeah, I think tarpon's about the biggest for the most part. Other than that, it's snook, redfish, trout, pompano have been really mm, been kind of okay. learning how to catch those recently. And yeah, on top of being fun to catch, you can't get a better tasting. Fish, right. So. For sure. It, and with that tarpon fishing you do there, um, are, are you normally targeting them on the, you know, when they're up in shallower kind of on the flats, or are you usually out by the bridge and fishing in the deeper water there? Uh, bridge, Egmont, uh, really mm-hmm. the bridge is the main way in the bay that I've always fished the tarpon. Right. Egmont a little bit, um, some beach action, you know, off of um, Anna Maria and St. Pete Beach, depending on which way you're going. Mm-hmm. But not a, not a ton of the inshore. That's Once again, that's something that I would love to find those fish on the flats. I, I never have, though, but at yeah. the same time, I've never really specifically gone out and looked for them, but I, I do have some friends that do. Yeah, well, and you've got a whole lot of flats over there when it comes to Tampa Bay, right? I mean, there's a, that's a big body of water. It is, and that's the thing also where I keep my boat is way up north in the bay, mm-hmm. and so if I want to get down to the flats where I think they're usually catching them, which are those flats, you know, kind of by the Skyway area, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a solid. You know, I'm running at least an hour to get there, so oh, that's okay. definitely something that I consider and what keeps me kind of more on the uh, snook, redfish, and trout. 
bandwagon, but every yep. so often, though, especially in the summer when you have the longer days, run up to the south end of the bay. Right, or right. Or run down to the south end. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it's it's not such a bad thing to uh, have to, quote-unquote, suffer with a uh, good snook and, and redfish bite, though, is it? No, not at all. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think a lot of people actually, um, if they had to pick one fish, I've I've heard a lot of people say snook would would be up there on the top of the list, um, and I'm I'm one of them. I think that pound for pound, you know, the jumping and the fighting and and just how you know cool it is when they take a bait. I mean, it's it's hard to beat snook. Well, with the snook, also, I, I swear this is the biggest part of it is it's the it's the finickiness of them. Yeah. If snook don't want to eat, they're just flat out going to look at your bait and just not eat. <laughs> That's Whereas right. A lot of other fish, you can get a reaction bite out of. You know, I mean, trout, obviously. You know, you put the right bait in front of a trout, it's going to hit it. Right. Um, and that can be said, I mean, not completely across the board for every fish, but those snook, man, they are just the... Uh, especially when you get one, a good one that's, you know, over 40 inches. Yeah. Which is what I want to... Uh, what I'm going to share a little bit about later, I think. Uh, okay. It's at that time when you get one of those big girls to feed and you actually then, as you said, the way they fight and just as smart as they are, I mean, they seek out the structure to break you off. You know? Oh, yeah. It's all those things that when you consider it all and you land a big one, oh, there's nothing like it. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Well, and with that uh, big snook teaser you just threw down there, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I have a feeling Joe is going to tell us a pretty epic saltwater story. So stay tuned. Live bait is often the difference between an epic day and a slow day of fishing. On my last vacation, we were fishing for snook on the beach. The fish were there, but the bait was not. So I ended up driving my boat a mile away to catch bait and then transported them back to the spot on the beach with a five-gallon bucket. However, in the hot Florida sun, that plan did not work out so well. But now, I have found a much better portable option for keeping bait alive on the boat and on shore. Visit tell.fish slash gear to check it out. That's tell.fish slash gear. All right. We are back with Joe Rozier, and I've uh, been talking about that awesome uh, Tampa Bay fishing he gets to do over there, and uh, a cool new product he's come up with and uh, is testing over there for for a live bait chumming on the in that skinny water. And um, now I have a feeling we might be talking about some snook action. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. You. Uh Kind of ties in a little bit of everything we've been talking about, but um, very recently, I guess at this point, not too recently, it's been about a year ago now or so. Um, well, not even. Let me think real quick. Uh, I had the idea in May, so it was about August. It was about August of 2017. Mm-hmm. I had my first prototype done for the Chum Dog. Okay. I 3D printed it myself. Ended oh, cool. up you know, kind of a story in itself, but ended up buying my own 3D printer because of the what I was given uh, actually was cheaper just to do it myself. So <laughs> how about I did. that? Yeah, yeah, I know it was crazy. Uh, so, but I printed it out. And I had my first prototype, which I will say looks nothing like the final product now. But <laughs> I had it. I was ready to get out on the water and test it. And as we were talking about, 
you know, it was a reason to get out there, especially on a weekday, which as any weekend warrior like I am in that class, you know, mm-hmm. practicing law during the week, yeah. you know, there's nothing better than getting out on the water on a weekday. Right. Like you can go to your spot and there's not five other boats there, you know? Absolutely, yeah. You can pull up to Weedon Island and it's not a, a social club, you know? It's <laughs> right. Great. So um, it was a Tuesday or Wednesday. I had my prototype. I had a couple of reports from some, you know, friends where the bait was. And really, that's all I was even supposed to be doing time-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even really plan on fishing. I just wanted to load up the well to test to see if this thing actually scooped bait and chummed it the way it was supposed to, the way it was right. designed to do. So I ran out. I was by myself. Uh, I actually love, that's another reason I love fishing. It's just the quietness of it. But yeah. um, I ran out there, caught my bait, and uh, it was really easy to get. A couple throws, filled up the well. And I still had time. So I was like, you know what? Bait well full of beautiful white bait, a little bit of free time, and nobody else, you know, within eyesight on the water. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm at least going to go try to put a couple snook in the boat. I'm, I'm guessing you then uh, happened to bring a rod, even though you uh, weren't planning on fishing? <laughs> well, I mean, even if I run the boat to the marina, got to have a rod on it. Of course, you know? Absolutely. The, the only time that, you know, the, the rogue cobia swim up to your boat is when you don't have a rod on the boat, I swear to God. So, yes, I, I have encountered that. On. And, uh, and then, you know, even, you know, even though I told, you know, when I was telling my wife, for example, yeah, I just went out to test it, you know, even in the back of my head, I was like, well, you know, a line might get wet. It's possible. <laughs> so, um, yeah, of course it happened. I said, all right, you know, I'm going to run to a Whedon Island see what I can do. Hadn't been there in God years probably fishing. And so pulled up and on top of, you know, just excited to fish a little bit. Obviously I'm about to test my product for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And I went to scoop some bait out of the well and it broke as soon as it hit the water, it snapped right in half at the handle. And so now I was, I was pretty bummed about that. Um, <laughs> As it turns out, I, I was printing them hollow, and I could change that, which I did, mm-hmm. and that 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 solved that issue pretty pretty good. But I didn't know that at the time; it was the first one I'd done, right? And it was hollow inside, and I mean, it snapped instantly. So ah. I was a little down about it, but you know, whatever. I was still here, anchored up. Um, figured I'd fish, and sure enough, I mean. And just this is a little side as well. I got a hook in my hand right after that as well. Right. So it's not the best start to a fishing trip I've ever had. You know, my product breaks, hook in the hand, but I still had all this bait. Yeah, you didn't dry it up that way in your mind, I bet. No, no. It was going to go a lot smoother than that. But yeah. uh, either way, though, I still had the whole shoreline to myself. So I started getting some chum out there and started fishing. And, uh, I mean, it, average day a couple little shoestring snook here and there and then the, the big one hit and uh, uh she started running and i mean on it, i mean it was just one of it was a typical big snook fight took me up under the mangroves had to free spool it at one time which always makes my heart drop a little bit because it's so <laughs> counterintuitive right. to let any slack in your line but at the same time you know if you don't i mean i've been Dock fishing is what I grew up doing more than anything. So oh, I yeah. know how fast those snook can break you off once they oh, have yeah. some structure. And uh, so I flipped the spool and 
sure enough, she swam back out and we got to dance a little bit longer and finally got her in. And, uh, she was first, not first, the first nook in about a decade that, uh, I'd caught that was over 40 or I guess wow. right at it. Kind of hard to tell. My stick went to 38 and she was a solid, you know, solid couple inches past this. So I'm just, you know, right. Guessing she was right at 40, but, uh, you can see that when that was on my Instagram, it was one of the first couple pictures I posted. I actually just laid her out on the deck and laid down next to her to take the picture. Cause I mean, it was just me out there. Right. Um, and I, I was like, well, hell, I couldn't even really lip her. She was too big. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. want to put that kind of pressure on her gills. So I just laid her down, laid down next to her on the deck, snapped my picture. And then, oh, this is actually interesting. When I was um, reviving her, some dolphin showed up. So Ooh. I actually had to pull anchor, idle up, get pretty much up in the mangroves to release her up underneath the mangroves. And as far as I know, this dolphin did not, did not get her, so... Good deal. Yeah, it's always uh, amazing how in tune they are to a struggle like that and come right up. And boy, they'll definitely take a fish when you let it go from the boat. Oh, it's they're becoming a nuisance to some degree with it. Um, I mean, it's kind of cool because I mean, anytime a dolphin's hanging out, especially now with the you know two year old on the boat, he loves it. But at the same time, yeah, you release some fish and they're crafty. They're smart, smart mammals. So they get them. No doubt when they want them they get them oh yeah and as and as cute as they are they are one of the most amazing predators when you watch them eat boy they are just ruthless i'm you know i've seen them oh, in yeah. there in the bait school just tossing fish up in the air and chomping and you know rocketing out after them and herding them i mean those when those guys want to eat they they know how to do it oh yeah i mean that's the thing you know, I'll, i've many times released fish in areas where I think, okay, you know, we're so shallow. I'll even if it's a small snook and he doesn't need to be revived, you know, toss him. I did this once, not too long ago, where I, I truly thought I said, okay, you know, it's it's eight inches deep up there. I tossed him up there. I was like, there's no way a dolphin's going to be able to get up there. And the way <laughs> they come in on their sides, it's just insane. And he oh got yeah, him, sure enough. Yeah, they can almost get out and walk on shore sometimes. It's yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> they like hydroplane. It's, it's yeah. insane. It's really cool, though. It's actually really cool to see, but that's when I was like, okay. So when I had this big breeder snook, I knew I was not going to let anything happen to her. So I uh, no. got her way up in those mangroves and let her go clean. But, um, and, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I was upset about, you know, having not realized at that point that, the biggest issue with why it broke was that I printed out a hollow design. Uh, mm-hmm. Turns out there had to be some other product uh, design changes made to it. But, you know, I was just so bummed. But at the same time, nothing can kind of pull your spirits up like a 40-inch snug. So, <laughs> yeah, I, know, would, I would think so. The, <laughs> pulled myself up, went back to the drawing board, and uh, just still cranking away at it. But it sure was nice to... Sure was nice to have that at least. You know, I think, and I think that's one of the uh, greatest things about fishing is you just never know, especially saltwater fishing, but fishing in general, you just never know when that incredible surprise is going to come along, and uh, you know, to get a fish like that when on a day when everything's kind of going wrong and not how you planned, and and then all of a sudden, boy, that just changes everything doesn't it 
Absolutely. Joe, man, I'm just uh, just awesome to have you on here today and really appreciate you uh, sharing that story with us. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. If you're new to podcasts, there's a simple way to get our latest episodes delivered straight to your mobile device. For iOS, just click on the purple podcast icon. For Android, click on the play music icon. Then search for Telltale Fisherman, hit subscribe, and get ready to enjoy the most epic fishing adventures in the world. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.